Well, I hope that you came here today excited. I hope that you came here today to be encouraged, to be called, and to be challenged because that's exactly what's going to happen here today. It maybe already has been happening and it's the beginning of all that, but it's going to continue. We are in week three of our current series that we are calling Conqueror. And, and through this series, what we have been doing is we've been looking We've been looking at, these, at this idea to conquer and overcome some of the things that might hold us back in our life, that we, each of us have struggles in our life, and it feels like we're just chained to them, and we're prisoners and slaves to those struggles. But we are reminded in God's word that, that through and only through the power of Jesus Christ that we are not prisoners, That because of Christ and the power of Christ, we are conquerors. That we can unlock this inner conqueror within us. So we can stare down these fears and these insecurities and these um, struggles we might be having and knowing that those things are not going to define us. But what defines us is Christ in us and through us. And we've been looking at that idea idea of conquering certain things. Now, we're not touching on a lot of things because with this concept and this idea, we could be talking about this every single Sunday for a year or more. But we're looking at a few things. And today, what we're going to look at, something for us to overcome, something for us to conquer, and it's something that I believe is very relevant and that we all struggle with and deal with. And today, we're going to talk about labels. We're going to talk about labels today. And here's what I mean by a label. A phrase or a description of a person, especially one that holds you back. That's the idea and the concept of label that I'm using here today. It's a phrase or a description of a person that, and, and, and it's something that will hold them back. And that's what we're looking at. So how do we as followers of Christ overcome that? Because that's something I think a lot of us, or most of us, or, or honestly, probably all of us deal with, right? So let me introduce myself to you. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a pastor. I'm an avid Toronto sports fan. I'm a dog owner. But I would also describe myself as a failure, insecure inadequate. And here's a question I want you to think about, and and I want you to even answer. If I asked you to describe yourself to me, what would you say? What would you say? I want you to think of, or maybe even more, more important, I want you to write down three words that you would use to describe yourself to me. What would those three words be? Because here's the reality, whether we like it or not, labels are used to describe us. Labels have value, and they actually communicate importance to us, especially with physical material things like the label on your shirt, uh, the label on your shoes, maybe the label on your car, or the label on your phone. Certain labels, they communicate value. Oh, They have that label on the clothing. That 
you know, that speaks a lot, right? And, and it can communicate importance. See, we look to labels that we carry to find value, right? But here's the problem. The longer we carry a label, the less it describes our past and the more it actually determines our future. So whatever labels you might be using to describe yourself, and I want you to be honest, right? Um, The longer we carry those labels, the less it actually will describe our past and the more it actually starts to determine our future. I would love it if we all had positive labels, right? Hard worker, good person, loving, things like that. But the reality is that almost every single one of us carries labels that aren't positive. I do. And I listed some of them already to you. See, labels that describe our past and they begin to determine our future. Maybe it's the label, maybe for you it's the label of feeling unloved. Maybe for you it's the label of being a failure or being inadequate. Or maybe there's a label that describes you as someone that just doubts all the time. I don't know what your labels are, but I know this. If you carry them too long, it actually stops subscribing what happened in the past and actually starts to determine where you're going in the future. Here's how how it looks for you and me. So say if you carry a label of feeling like a failure, So I'm afraid to try something new because if I do and it doesn't work out, I'm only confirming what I already felt in the first place, that I'm just a failure. People that carry that label, it's hard for them to try new things because if they do try it and they stumble and they fall and it doesn't work out, then they say, see, I just proved my point. I am a failure. Maybe it's the label of feeling inadequate. And so I don't try to be a husband or father that God has called me to be called me to be because if I do and if I if I'm not able to do that then I just confirm that in fact I'm not good enough but here's the good news in all this the good news is that we can actually overcome these labels that hold us back and the story I want us to look at today is found in Mark chapter 2 it's a story about a guy who really understood what it was like to be labeled. The guy in this story actually is not even given a name. We don't even know his name. But stories are always fun when people have a name. So I'm going to give him a name here today that we're going to refer to him today. And that name, we'll just say, is Larry. So one of the few things that we know about Larry is that he was paralyzed which meant that he had carried certain labels his whole entire life. He had the label of being physically broken. He had the label of being unemployable. He had the label of being or feeling like a burden. He had a label of being a beggar because that was the only way he could support himself. And if that all wasn't enough, Larry also carried the label of being a sinner. Or at least, that's what people assumed. Because in Jesus' day, their idea of someone being 
physically challenged or even mentally challenged, man, they were a sinner. Or their parents did something or someone in their family did something and because of that, God is punishing them. If anybody understood what it was like to have their past begin to determine their future, it was Larry. And yet, fortunately, there's another person in this story. And this person, we actually know what their name is. And his name is Jesus. We're going to look at verse 5 here. And here's what's happening up to this point so far um, as we look at this verse. Larry has some friends. They've heard about this guy, Jesus, healing people. And so they had this thought together. They thought, man, if we can just get our friend to Jesus, maybe Jesus can do something. Maybe Jesus can help. We've heard him heal people. Maybe he'll be able to heal Larry. So what did they do? They picked up their friend and they carried him to where Jesus was teaching. But when they got there, where he was teaching was in this house, and the house was packed. Like, there was no room in that house, and there were people standing, probably like 10, 15 people deep, outside of the house just to hear him. So they had to get creative, and they did. They, they crawled up on, this, on the roof of this house, and as they got up there, what they did is they dug a hole in that roof. They lowered Larry down, and everyone is watching this guy who's carried these labels for his whole entire life, wondering, what is Jesus going to do? What is Jesus going to do for this person who feels like a burden, who's broken, who's unemployable, and who's a sinner? So let's see what Jesus does. Verse 5, it says this. It says, seeing their faith, and I'm just going to stop right there. See, when reading this passage, that's not what I expected to see when I started reading that. What I expected to see was seeing his faith, like seeing Larry's faith. But instead, it, it very clearly states that, that Jesus was seeing their faith. Now, why, why would Mark say that Jesus noticed their faith. Because here's the reality. The faith of those around you matters. The faith around, those, around the people around you, your friends, your family, it matters. Your friends will either carry you towards Jesus or they will pull you away from him. That's why the people around you, their faith matters. Because either those people around you, they will carry you to Jesus to experience and encounter Jesus and his power and his resources. Or you might have friends or people in your life that they will actually pull you away from Jesus. That's why the, the people around you, their faith matters. What Jesus saw wasn't just Larry's faith. He saw the faith of his friends. He saw their faith, it says. And here's what I want you to know. Because I know that some of you can relate to this. If you have adult 
children who are far from God right now. Your faith matters. See, the way you respond to them, the way you interact with them, it matters. And here's the question. The way that you're responding to them, are you carrying them closer to Jesus? Or are you actually pulling them away from Jesus? If your significant other is not beside you right now because they're just not into doing church, I want you to know and I want you to hear today, your faith matters. The way that you respond to them, you're carrying them closer and closer to Jesus. Why? Because here's the reality that, I'm, that I've, it just dawned on me just recently. Transformation rarely happens in isolation. That's why the people around you, they matter. Their faith matters. Transformation rarely happens in isolation. And one of the scary phrases I hear from other pastors or other people is this. When I ask a question, and I, and I ask this a lot to pastors, I say, who do you have in your life to talk to? Who do you have to talk to? I know I do, and I have people in my life that I can talk to, and I've had those people as long as I've been a pastor because I understand, and I want other pastors to know they can't do this in isolation, and even other people. And they respond, nobody. That's the scariest phrase I hear when I ask other people or pastors, do you have someone to talk to? And they say, nobody. That scares me. Because here's the thing, transformation rarely happens in isolation, but it happens in the community. That's where transformation takes place. See, the faith of those around you, it actually does matter. So, back to verse 5. And I know you're probably thinking, man, we're just three words in. Don't worry about it. Verse 5, seeing their faith, Jesus said this to the paralyzed man. So Larry's in front of him. Here's the first words he speaks to Larry. He says, my child, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Sometimes I read the Bible and I think, what? What? And I'm thinking that here. I'm like, what? I'm like thinking, Jesus, this guy is laying in front of you. He can't move. His friends literally carried him here, dug a hole in a roof, lowered him down. He's laying in front of you. He's broken. He's unemployed. He feels unwanted. He feels like a burden. He's a beggar. He knows he's a sinner, according to people in his day. And what you say is, my child, your sins are forgiven. What? What about all these labels that he's carrying? Except here's the reality in this. For Jesus, he heals the source, not the symptoms. That's what Jesus does. He heals the source of the problem, not the symptoms. Because what Larry needed was not a newer label of healed, miracle, you know, something like that. Larry was not in need of a newer label or a better label. What he needed was a new 
identity. That's what Larry needed. And what Jesus offers him, and the same thing he offers us, is not this newer label, not a better label to cover up our other labels, but he offers us something way better. He offers us a new identity. Here's the reality, is that some of you have had that same mentality when it comes to God. If I could just get a new label, a better label, that maybe says churchgoer, or works hard, or reads the Bible, then I'll be good enough for God. You're walking up to a church building, and your thoughts are this. If these people really knew, if they really, really knew, if they really knew where my marriage was, if they really knew what my kids were doing, if they really knew what was in my past, there is no way I'll be welcomed in God's house. And yet, what you need to hear today is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's this, that he has a new identity for you. He does. And that's not written on your shirt. But it's written on your soul. And it says this, child of God. Son of God, daughter of God. See, we didn't earn that identity. We didn't earn any of that. He freely gave it to us through Jesus Christ. You see, while a label may describe your past, your identity in Christ is what defines you. Do you get that? A label may describe you, but your identity in Christ is what defines you. Our value does not come from the labels that are on our shirt. Our value comes from our identity in Jesus Christ. Now, does that instantly fix the labels that you may be carrying today? And I'm here to tell you, no, it doesn't. But over time, they will begin to lose their grip until one day those labels actually just fall off. It this, this story continues in verse 10. And, and Jesus speaking, he says, So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man. He turned to Larry and he said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And after all that, if you continue to read on, what it says is the people went home praising and glorifying God. Why? Because it's the end of the story, right? And Porky the pig comes out and he says, abri, abri, abri. that's all, folks. The credits start to roll and everyone leaves happily ever after. At least that's how I read the story, at least. But then I have this question as I think about the end of this story. But what about Larry? What happened to Larry after that? See, it's the end of the story, but it's not the end of Larry's life. What happens to Larry after all this? I can guarantee you this. We don't know much, but this is what I can guarantee. Whether he lived one more day or 50 more years, everywhere he walked, or everywhere he went, people whispered. 
You know, if people saw him, they would start whispering, saying, hey, you know what? That's Larry. You remember? He couldn't walk. He couldn't keep a job. He used to beg for money. See, I'm sure everywhere that Larry went, people probably whispered, right? My identity is in Christ. My value is in Christ. People surrounding me are carrying me closer to Jesus. But people still whisper when I go around. Why can't I just be John? Why can't I just be Mary? Why can't I just be Larry? Why can't I just be known as Larry? Not, hey, remember Larry used to be this and he used to be this? Why can't I just be Larry? See, there was a woman in the Old Testament who understood what it was like. We're introduced to her in Joshua 2. And her name? Rahab. And here's what we know about Rahab. She had the wrong nationality, she was the wrong gender, and she had the wrong profession, right? She was not an Israelite. Instead, she was a Gentile. She lived in Jericho as the Israelites were trying to take it over, and she was a woman in a man's world. And her job, well, she was a prostitute. Yet, in the midst of all that, she made a choice. And her choice was this. My identity is not going to be with that. My identity is going to be with God and his people. So what did she do? She joined with the Israelite people and became one of the children of God. That was the identity that was written on her heart. Yet, here's the interesting thing about Rahab, though, right? She's mentioned eight different times in the Bible. She's even mentioned in the lineage of Jesus in Matthew. She's mentioned eight times in the Bible, and six of those eight times, she's listed, or she has the description or the label of Rahab the prostitute. Not just Rahab, because of what, you know, because she had a new life and a new identity, but she was labeled Rahab the prostitute. Everywhere she went, I bet people whispered. Why? Why can't it just be Rahab? Why does, it, why does it, she have to have the label of Rahab the prostitute? I, gave, I began thinking about this. And here's what I was reminded of. It's not that Rahab's past was too big to be forgiven. It was that the work of God and Rahab's life was too big to be denied. That's kind of what I'm understanding and I'm being reminded of here. It's not that Rahab's past was way too big to be forgiven, because that wasn't the case. It was that the work of God was too big in her life to be denied. And here's the interesting thing, is we go back into the story of Mark 2. We actually don't know his name, right? But we know the name of the one who healed him, because his name is Jesus. Why? Because Larry's name was unclear, but his purpose was crystal clear. And what it was, it was to point people to Jesus. That's what his purpose was. Here's how I'm going to say it today. What the devil meant for evil, God will use for good. And that's the truth that you've heard me say before. 
What the devil meant for evil, God will use for good. See, God can use your past. He can use your past to change someone's future. Do you understand that? God can use your past to change someone else's future. How do I know that that's true? Because I've lived it. I've lived it. I've lived through some very major insecurities of my life, starting at an extremely young age, I remember, severely and seriously struggling with a speech problem. What I could hear, the faint snickers of my classmates, because I started a little bit, or I couldn't pronounce a word properly. And it went from struggling with that speech problem to being publicly labeled as stupid by a grade one or grade two teacher, and how that label has stuck with me. That, I feel that every time I'm in front of you. I think about my speech problem because it's still somewhat there. I just learn to somewhat overcome it or hide it sometimes. I struggle with the fact that I'm inadequate, that I'm a failure, and I'm stupid. And what, do, what can I do or what can I say that can make a difference? And knowing all of that, knowing all of that, and then hearing God's call on my life to go into ministry, I thought, and I even said to him, are you kidding me? God, I've, you are making a mistake. I think you're mistaking me for someone else that needs to be in that spot. I can't do that. I have a speech issue. I have an inadequate issue. I have the label of being stupid. And I began to understand that God is way more concerned with who you are than what you've done. Do you get that? God is way more concerned with who you are than what you've done. Because that voice that speaks to you in the back of your mind, that speaks to my mind even right now, saying, you're not good enough to be in front of these people. You're stupid. You've got nothing good to say. That's not the truth to listen to. The truth that you need to listen to, it's a voice that spoke creation into being who's saying this, this is who you are. It's not what you've done. It's who you are. And what you need to listen to today is not what other people might be saying. Because your value, it's not with other people's opinions. Your value is with the opinion of the one who is like no other, and he says this, you are his child. See, when the devil whispers in your ear, you can't do that. You're a failure. You're inadequate. You're stupid. That's not the voice to listen to. The voice to listen to is of Jesus Christ, who went to the cross for you and who said this, you are my child. You are worthy. You are called. And I choose you. I started today and I asked what three words that would describe you are. And I don't know what you wrote down. 
I don't know if you wrote down the labels that you are struggling with in your life, but I do know the three words that do define you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ here today, those words are this, that you are a child of God. You are a child of God. Don't allow whatever labels you are holding on to describe you or determine what your future is. Instead, let the identity that you have in Jesus Christ define you and let you go forward with that. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work that you do in our life. Thank you that you call us worthy, that you call us a child of God, And that what's more important isn't the labels that we may be carrying, but it's more importantly about the identity that we have in you. Because it's our identity in you that defines us, not our labels. So Lord, I pray as we have looked into this, Lord, that that you will continue to give us what we need to conquer and overcome these labels that we carry in our life because we no longer want these labels to determine our future. Instead, we want your identity to determine our future and to define who we are. Help us with that. Let us lean into you so that we can walk in confidence here today. We pray this in your name. Amen.